thank you all for being here tonight. Um, one of the, a couple of things I want to do as we just get started. Uh, first is, uh, let's say a prayer, if that's okay. We are kind of in the chapel, so <laughs> if that's okay with you all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Father in heaven, we give you praise and glory. We ask you to please um, receive the gift of our time tonight. Receive the gift of our presence tonight. Um, as we sit in these chairs where so many, so many have studied and prayed in, these, in this in this. Um, space where so many people have worshipped you, we ask that you please allow our uh, presence and allow our hearts, allow our praise to you um, to join with theirs, that you may be glorified in all things, Father. Father, receive our praise in the name of your Son, Jesus. And hear our prayer. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, we ask that you send out your Holy Spirit in abundance upon every person who's gathered here in the way that you alone know that we need you. We entrust uh, our hearts, our lives, our wounds, and those we love to your love. And we ask you to please bless us. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you all. Um, again, second, second, maybe we do need an editor. <laughs> I think maybe. Um, he said unfiltered. I'm like, shoot. It's way easier to sit in front of a camera and like, okay, take two. Um, take two is thank you all. You all have somewhere else to be tonight. Um, not somewhere else you should be, but you somewhere else you could be tonight. And I, I, on the way in here, though, if you're a seminarian, I was like, do you have to come to this? They're like, yes, we're required to. Um, <laughs> But everyone else, you, you had a choice, and I just, that, that, that's not wasted, that's not lost on me, that you could be somewhere else, and maybe you've driven a long way, um, maybe you've had, unlike the seminarians, longer than a five-minute commute to get to this place. Um, and I just, I just want to let you know that I know that you made a sacrifice to be here. You could be so many other places. Um, so I hope this time honors you and honors the Lord. Uh, third thing. This will be kind of a relatively brief presentation. A father mentioned that there are discussion guides after my homilies because those are not relatively brief. Um, but after the relatively brief presentation, there's going to be a Q&A section. And I thought that would be really fun. I don't, I don't ever get to do those. And so I thought it would be really, really fun to be able to do this because I came in tonight relatively intimidated. First, I was intimidated because like, yeah, Archbishop Shapiro will be there. I'm like, what the? And they're like, no, he's not going to make it. I'm like, okay, thanks. <laughs> And then, and then it's like, it's the Arch, or the Cardinal Foley lecture series. I'm like, lecture series? Like, I don't, I don't give lectures? What the heck? I mean, I do give stern talkings to, but like. <laughs> and then thirdly, or fourth, whatever number we're on right now, um, they said it'd be in this chapel. And I was like, I visited this chapel a couple times filming for Ascension. And I'm like, what the, no. Give me like an auditorium, somewhere that's like less intimidating than the most like, intimidating chapel I've ever been in in my life. <laughs> so that being said, um, last thing before we launch into this. Uh, Father also mentioned that I'm on campus uh, with our students and maybe this is for the seminarians a little bit. Uh, growing up and even working at parishes, there was something I noticed that sometimes it happened when the priest was away, when the pastor was, was gone, it was like everyone's like, oh, okay, now we can breathe. <laughs> like, okay, now he's gone, now we can just relax, and now we can, like, the cat's away kind of a situation. And I always thought, like, I wonder if that's, like, gonna, is that, is that always the case? That when, when father's gone, people are like, phew, 
thank the Lord. Um, I just have to say that last night after Mass, uh, my students, they, they knew I was coming out to Philadelphia, and they, I'm going I'm, I'm gonna be back tomorrow at noon. But they were like, Father, we're gonna miss you so much. Like, it's just, it's not the same here when you're not here. And just that sense of like, really, to my, my brothers, seminarians, the heart of your formation is to become a dad. So when you leave, the people in the parish, your students, your kids, so like even if you're gone for a day, like we miss you, we can't wait till you get back. Like that's the, and that's the heart of it. Does that make sense? Also just bragging how much they like me, so. Um, <laughs> No, you know, at Newman, we, at the, our Newman Center, it's, it's small. It's, it's a little house, really. Um, and uh, we have a motto around the house because it's just kind of like a, again, we, our two-car garage is our, is our daily mass chapel uh, that's been converted. In, in, on Sunday mass, we set up in the ballroom. It's like, yeah, you have the big, big place. No, it's not a big, well, it's a big ballroom. But other than that, um, it's kind of small. And so we have to own it, right? You have to own the community. And so one of the mottos we have in that community is um, see a need, fill a need. You don't have custodians or anyone. And so it's like, see a need, fill a need. So students, you're part of this community, and so you know this. You know that if you see something out of place, like, do something about it. And one of the things we try to do in that is not just, like, clean up after ourselves, but one of the things we're trying to inculcate in our students is that notion that um, you don't actually have to wait for permission to do good. You never have to wait for permission to do good. Like, you never have to wait for permission to share the gospel. You never have to wait for permission to help someone. You never have to wait for permission to talk to someone. You don't have to wait for the priest to come in to do the thing. And you don't have to wait for permission to replace the toilet paper on the toilet paper roll. Like, you don't have to, like, it's, it's real life stuff, but it's also so clearly what it is to be a Catholic Christian. You never have to ask permission to do good. Because we've been already, we, everyone who's baptized, we've already been given a commission. We've already, already been told what to do. In so many ways, I mean, just let's go back to it. The end of Matthew's gospel, what does Jesus say? He says, go out into the, all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. One of the things that Pope Pius the, the Sixth, Pope Paul the Sixth, talked about in Evangelii Nuziani, the evangelization in the modern world, he said that's what evangelization is. It's not, it's not just one thing. It's not just... The kerygma. It's not just proclaiming Christ. It's the whole thing. It's going out into the world, proclaiming Christ, the kerygma, evangelization, making disciples, like growing them up, baptizing them, so sacramental life, bringing them into the covenant, and catechesis, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And no one in this space, no one here, has to wait for permission to do those things. I'm not saying go baptize people on your own, but I'm saying like, like, there's a sense of like, he's already told you this is your job. He's already actually, you've been anointed that this is your job. If you've been baptized, you've been anointed that this is actually what he wants you to do. And there's something so, I mean, to realize, here's Jesus who's actually entrusting, everything about this, the fact that, the fact that he left, everything about that, 
That in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus is standing out over the city of Jerusalem at Bethany, and the apostles look at him and say, Lord, are you at this point going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Basically, hey, we believe who you are. We know that you are the one you say you are. You know, we know you're the Messiah. We know you're going to restore the kingdom. We know you're the Savior of the world. So are you going to restore, are you going to bring this to the whole world right now? And what does Jesus say? In response, he says, basically, it's not for you to know the time or seasons, because that's, okay. But then he says, it's like, I'm not telling. But then he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you will be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the, end, ends of the earth. Like, think about that. The apostles, Lord, are you going to bring all of your mercy to the whole world? And he's like, no, you are. Lord, are you going to bring salvation to the world? No, you are. Lord, are you going to bring hope and justice and peace and all the, everything you to the world? And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, no, you are. With my power, with my spirit. And this is the spirit that dwells in you. This is the commission that's been extended to you. And so what do we do? We do what we do at Newman. We look around the world and we see a need. And the motto is, see a need, fill a need. But I don't, before I go any further, here's what I want to ask, because this is not just about, there, you know, sometimes we talk too much about going out, and I just want to take one moment and go in. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, ever since, um, well, for a couple weeks, which for me is for a lot. Uh, and um, if you remember the, the gospel reading from two weeks, two Sundays ago, it was John's gospel about St. John the Baptist. And St. John the Baptist, he says this about Jesus. He says, uh, I did not know him. I hadn't really ever focused on that, ever been praying through John's gospel. How many, tw twice, John the Baptist says, I did not know him. But he came here, I did not know him. And I just think about this. Here is, how many times is that us? And you could say, well, John, are you kidding me? You're cousins to this guy. But you can say the same thing about us. Like, are you kidding me? You were raised in the church. Just because we're in the vicinity of Jesus doesn't mean that he's in our hearts. John the Baptist ultimately is going to say, the reason why I came baptizing, this is really interesting, I just think is John the Baptist sums up his entire mission, his entire, actually his entire meaning for existence. You think about like, the reason why my mom and dad couldn't conceive a child for so long, the reason why uh, God had to appear to, well, the angel had to appear to my dad in the temple. The reason why he was struck dumb, the reason why they named me John, the reason why I lived in the desert, the reason why I wear camel's hair, the reason why I've been eating honey and locusts every day of my life, the reason, John says, the reason why I came baptizing is to make him known. So these two things, which is in fact, in fact almost one thing that John says sums up my entire life. The reason why everything in my entire life has ever happened is to know him and to make him known. My entire life. Why did this happen? Because I need to know him. Well, why did that happen? 
I need to make him known. Because there is a need, right? And one of the greatest needs that we have right now in our day, huh, sorry, the greatest need I have is to know him. You, you guys, you can talk about Jesus all day. In seminary, they talk about Jesus all day. If you have church work, you talk about Jesus all day. But that's not the point. The point is, I need to know him. Because there's a need in my heart, and I imagine there's a need in your heart to be able to say, my life doesn't make sense unless I know him. My life doesn't make sense unless... And my life is unfulfilled unless I make him known. Like, think about this. My life is unfulfilled unless I do absolutely everything in my power to, to know him and to make him known. Because I have a need in my heart, and so I need to fill a need, and I need to fill it with him. And there's a need in our world, and that need is to bring him there, because that's the Great Commission. Lord, are you going to go to the ends of the earth? And he just says, no, you are. Lord, are you going to send someone to my, to my niece to tell her about how much you love her? He says, yeah, I am. You. <laughs> to know Jesus and to make him known. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. And that's the need. And so we fill a need. How do we do it? Um, you know, there's so much when we talk about like new media, and we're talking about the media, that, uh, gosh, I, I, told, I told Father Daly, I'm like, I don't know. I just like, hit record, and then I hit stop, and I go to the internet and upload it. And like, I don't know anything about this. And he's like, that's okay, just tell stories. I'm like, fine, I can do that. <laughs> because that's the heart of this. Isn't the heart of the kerygma, isn't the heart of evangelization just telling stories? They're just, they're just awesome stories because they're true. Like the heart of evangelization is telling the true story about Jesus. Not only Jesus, what he did when he was alive on this earth, those 33 years, but also Jesus in the last 2,000 years, what he's done on this earth. Jesus, what he's done in your life and in my life. This is the heart of evangelization. Tell the story. And this, it, make it as simple as that. How do we do evangelization in the modern world? You tell the story. Because I have no idea how microphones work. <laughs> I have no idea how to upload stuff. I, I know how to upload. I have no, no idea how to edit it. I have no idea how to do any of these things. But I tell you what I do know how to do. I know how to say yes too often. <laughs> so let me tell you a story. Maybe it's boring. It'll, that's a great way to start a story. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story. It's pretty lame. <laughs> Most of you will wonder, why is he telling us this story? No, um, people will ask me, they'll say, like, how'd you get involved? How'd you get started with the whole, the whole deal? I'll tell you. Here's my story. Um, so um, Jesus uh, changed my life when I was 15 years old. There's a whole story about that. I'll skip that part. Um, started following him at, pretty seriously right from there. Uh, also really poorly, followed him really poorly for roughly up until now. Um, <laughs> just, you, we do our best, right? Just kind of, man. 
keep falling down and keep asking God to help us. Long story short, I get ordained in 2003 and I was in a parish for two years and it was such a gift, such a gift to be able to be uh, away from school. Just to be like a real parish. I'm like, wow, there's people who aren't just my age around here. This is amazing. The world is full of other people. So I got to be in a parish for two years and that was awesome. And then they said, my bishop said, I want you to go back to the university. I'm like, okay, well, fine. Um, but when I was in 2007, so I got to campus in 2005, in 2007, one of our students um, asked me if I would like to record my homilies. And I said, no. <laughs> and she said, why? And I was like, well, that seems a little self-aggrandizing, doesn't it? Kind of seem a little bit like I, I need to inflict my opinion on the world. Like that seems weird. She's like, no, 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 it'd be fine. Because um, what about the former students who are graduated and they still want to, you know, their spiritual father to speak to them? I'm like, okay. You know how to sucker me into all these things. I said, but I, I can't, like, I don't know how to do that. She said, don't worry about it. You hit record, hit stop, I'll take care of the rest. And so it was just a student whose idea it was. And then it was a student who said, I'm going to teach myself how to do podcasts. And a student who said, I'm going to teach myself how to post homilies. I'm going to teach myself how to make a website. And the student said, I'm going to teach myself how to use iTunes. And they said, oh, there's this other thing out, another uh, you know, pod bay or podcast, whatever. I'm going to teach myself how to do that so that what you do can get out there because of what I do. So I said, okay, that sounds easy. <laughs> and then the next step was, um, there's this guy who works for Lighthouse Catholic Media, and uh, he was walking by his teenage son one day, and his teenage son had some earphones in, and he thought, he said, what, what band are you listening to? He's like, I'm not listening to any music. I'm listening to this priest who has homilies online. And the guy was like, that's weird. You're my teenage son. You're listening to a priest <laughs> give homilies. He said, send me some of your favorites. And so he sent him some, and they made a, a CD out of a little homily series I did on the Eucharist. And so that was that next step. Um, they said, can we do that? And I said, yeah. Will it cost me anything? No. Great. Yeah, go ahead and do it. <laughs> One summer, I led a group of our youth um, to a Steubenville conference and um, got to the Steubenville conference. And it was crazy. On Friday night, they said, our preacher for tomorrow isn't here. Father Mike, could you preach tomorrow at the Steubenville conference? And I was like, sure. I mean, that never happens now, right? Like they, they have this thing scheduled out for like months, maybe a year in advance. And I'm like, sure, sure, no problem. So I did that. And they said, would you come to the next conference? And, be the priest. And I'm like, sure. And then later on, Ascension contacted me and said, hey, would you want to be part of this confirmation program and write one or two lessons? I'm like, sure. Go and write three. Sure. <laughs> then at one point, I got this message from uh, Maria Mitchell who said, yeah, just my hair from Ascension uh, Press and they want to have an online presence because people live on the internet now. They live on YouTube. And what Ascension wants to do is they want to make this free because all the 18 to 24-year-olds are living online and we can't reach the men. So would you want to do little five to seven minute videos? Sure. <laughs> and so that's what brought me here tonight. Because <laughs> one of the things that kind of gets in, it gets in my craw a little bit is um, when people ask things like, how do, hey, how do you, Father, how do you become like, like a Catholic speaker? Like, well, you get baptized, <laughs> then you start talking. And that's, that's pretty much the sum of that's, that's what it is right there. It just kind of... Because ultimately what it comes down to, I think, in so many ways is um, what I found is I just... I think God 
really wants to use people who just make themselves available. That's, I think that's the secret, if there's any secret. God just wants to use people who make themselves available. Not necessarily someone who has a big plan, a strategy, and a vision for the whole thing. That, I love those kind of people. I wish I was those kind of people. I'm not that kind of people. I just know how to say yes. And I think the most important thing, especially when it comes to evangelization and the media, is who are you first saying yes to? John the Baptist. I need to know him. Who am I first saying yes to? I have to be first, I have to first be saying yes to him. And the next thing for me is like, well, um, I'm saying yes to my bishop. I just say yes to him. Bishop says, you're signed here? I say, yes, bishop. And I get asked to do this thing. Bishop, can I go do that thing? Yes. I'm like, great. He says, no. Great. That's when people start, I'm jealous of you, priest, because you have someone telling you what to do. I'm like, just get married. You can do the, have the same thing. <laughs> like, it just, it's really easy. Just find someone and say, whatever you tell me, I'm going to do it. So it just makes it really, really simple. But there's something... You know, I remember this, his man name's John, this, man name is, this man's name is John. He works for Franciscan University of Steubenville in their outreach office. And one of the things he's mentioned to me before, he's like, you know, sometimes, he says, not everybody, he says, there's some Catholic speakers, you know, quote unquote, Catholic speakers. He says that I know are willing to get on a plane and fly thousands of miles to talk to thousands of people, but they're not willing to cross one street to talk to one person about Jesus. And so that's, well, that's one of those things he told me years ago, and like, I never ever want to be that person. I just want to be able to... If I can't live my faith where I'm planted, then I can't live my faith at all. And if I can't talk to the people who are next to me about Jesus, then I shouldn't, maybe, I should think twice about traveling somewhere to talk to people about Jesus. But if I'm willing to, this is the thing, the flip side is this, if I'm willing to, start talking to anybody about Jesus, then you get to talk to anybody about Jesus. If I'm willing to share my faith with anybody, then you get to share your faith with anybody. Um, Jeff Cavins, some of you guys know Jeff Cavins. Um, he's relatively well-known. Um, people ask Jeff about, uh, Jeff, how do I get to do what you do? Like, how do I get to go around the world and like, teach the Bible to hundreds, thousands of people? And Jeff points out, he says, well, the way I developed the Bible timeline is I would sit down at Perkins with one person and I'd walk them through the Bible for hours every night. And because I walked one person at a time, taught them how to read the Bible one person at a time, just sitting in some restaurant in Minnesota, that's why I can get up now and I can talk to thousands of people at a time. Because if I'm willing to say yes to one person, then you're going to be willing to say yes to a hundred people or a thousand people. If I'm willing to say yes to Jesus where I am, then I don't have to be worried about where he's going to take me and who I get to see, say, talk to Jesus, talk about Jesus to where he might lead me. Does that make sense? So I'd say, if the question is, how do you get started? 
You never need permission to do good. Just get started. Well, do I need to buy a camera? Do I need to get like recording equipment? Just, I think you just need to, just need to get started. Because evangelization is telling the story. So, question I could ask myself, question we could all ask ourselves is, when was the last time I told the story? Not even like the story in the beginning. I mean, I mean the story of like, hey, what'd you do last weekend? Oh, super good. Um, well, uh, we went uh, to Ikea for all day, because that's what you do um, all day on uh, Saturday. And that night, uh, I was able, we stayed in, we rented a movie, and then Sunday we got up and went to church. Afterwards, I had brunch with my family, and they went to that, that little thing. I remember talking to this man at, at where I work out in the gym, and uh, asked him, he went on a trip to, to Colorado. I said, how was Colorado? He, great. He said, you skied, we did it, we did it, went to church, he just dropped it in there. And I was like, oh, dude, I go to church too. <laughs> he just told me the story. He didn't say, we went to church, did you go to church? He just said, he said it as if it was the most natural thing in the world, because for him it's the most natural thing in the world. And if that's part of your story, it's the most natural thing in the world. It's part of your story. To be willing to just tell the story to anyone who's right in front of us. How do we evangelize if the new media? Well, we don't if we're not willing to evangelize without the new media. I'm going to say that again because I think it's worth letting it sink in. How do we evangelize in the new media? We can only evangelize if we are willing to do it without the new media. We're just willing to tell our story. But here's, here's a couple of things, and then I want to open up for questions, because there's so much more to say. Um, but one of, the things, one of the things that I do need to say is, I am absolutely convinced that what I get to do is, is not a one-man show. I grit, I get it, I'm the only person in the screen, but like, what I get to do is not a one-man show. It, it, it is so Catholic in the sense of it needs family, it needs community, it can't be done without that. At so many levels, here's one level. Um, if someone says, I wanna get into this, I wanna get into new media, I wanna get into making content, I wanna get out there, I say, great, you need to be part of a team. Not just because there's some things that you can't do that other people can do, although that's very important, but I mean, think about maybe some of the content that you have been blessed by. Maybe it's, um, uh, shoot, I'm trying blanking. Uh, maybe it's like Catholic stuff you should know, like those priests out in Denver. Maybe it's uh, the Catholic talk show or the Catholic man show, that whole team of, of guys. Maybe it's Abiding Together podcast with the three women, Sister Miriam and Heather and Michelle. But that's a team of people who are able to like check each other Seeing people who are like, it's not about them, it's all about him. My mom, whenever I get nervous, I'm gonna go somewhere, like come in here. Like, she's like, what are you doing? I'm going to Philly. I'm a little nervous, it's a lecture. <laughs> Don't worry, Archbishop Shipti won't be there. <laughs> like, I'm nervous, and she's like, just remember who the real star is. Like, mom, I know, his name is Jesus. <laughs> but be part of a team. 
Because you're part of the team, then it, it gets to be about him, doesn't have to be about you. And I just think of all the people who have helped, whether it be the podcast, I still have not edited one word on the podcast. Oh, the Ascension Presents? The people who like even just had ideas of like, we should leave the bloopers in. You know, that was, a, that was an actual debate. And Maria fought for the bloopers to stay in. I'm like, the bloopers are my favorite part. Like, that's it. Like, I love, anyways, anyways. So, last thing. Um, some of you probably are, uh, you might be DREs or catechists or teachers, youth ministers, volunteers in your parish. And it happens regularly that I'll talk to people and they say, oh my gosh, thank you so much. We, we show your videos in our classroom. We show our videos in front of our youth. We show our videos to whatever. And they're thanking me. And I'm like, okay, this is really interesting because I don't know if you are, are keeping a score, but one of us has the easy job. One of us has the difficult job. I get to sit in my living room, sit down. I get to sit down, hit record and say, hi, my name is Father Mike Spitz, The Sunshine Presents. And I get to talk really fast. And I get to get done, I get to press stop, and I get to go to my computer and upload it. And I'm like, okay, but the real only reason your kids, if it's ever helped your youth or ever helped your family, the only reason it's ever helped them is because you're there. If you're like, yeah, my youth group really like it. Hopefully they like it. Um, some of them hate it, whatever. The only reason they even hear it in the first place is because you're there. The only reason why it matters to them is because you're willing to have the messiness of relation, real relationships. And so that's when people are like, oh wow, it's so courageous to, to put out that content. You said that bold thing about that controversial thing. I'm like, it's not. It is the opposite of courageous to sit in my living room. Let's emphasize this one more time. To sit in my living room, not get any feedback. If I don't want any feedback, I just don't read the comments. <laughs> it is courageous for you to show up to that youth group again, to show up to that classroom again, to actually get into the messiness of real people's lives and say, actually, I think this might help you. And only because they trust you are they willing to listen to me. Because they trust you. Why? Because at some point in your life, you saw a need. And at some point in your life, you chose to fill a need. It, it, it takes a church, it takes a Catholic church to have any, any impact in this world right now. So it takes the people on the cameras, you have Matt and Sean and you have Marisa and you have Lindsay and you have all these people who are continuing to help. But then we also have you are willing to get in people's lives. And you're willing to tell your story and tell his story. And you're willing to share what you know has helped you. Because there's one, if there's one thing that sums up any of our lives, it's the thing that's summed up John the Baptist's life. The reason why we do anything that we do is to know Jesus and to make him known. So, closing, closing remarks. <laughs> um, once again, um, 
One of the things that, uh, one of the things that I'm really grateful for is I'm grateful for the opportunity to come here tonight. I'm really grateful for your patience. Um, I'm incredibly grateful uh, for the existence of technology and, and for Ascension and for letting me uh, even, even be here in your presence. The people I keep working with are so good. Um, I was talking to this priest from Tyler, Texas last week. And he shared the story. He said there's this, he was, he was at a rock climbing wall and he says there's this young woman who was at the rock climbing wall with him or just happened to be there and they started talking and she knew he was a priest and she was kind of a higher up uh, in the evangelical church down in Tyler, Texas. And uh, she had some questions about the Catholic Church. And so he said, well, maybe you want to read this. Let's take a look at this. And she went home and she called him a couple days later. And she said, uh, so I read John chapter 6 like 30 times. You know, John chapter 6, the bread of life discourse. Said, Eat my flesh, drink my blood to have life. She said, I read John chapter 6 about 30 times. And then I found this priest on YouTube and I spent the entire day watching his videos. And so I don't have any more questions for you, <laughs> except for how do I become Catholic? And I was just thinking about this, like, what an incredible opportunity. He, he looked at, he said, we were on Skype and he looked and he said, hey, I just want to say thanks, brother, because um, trying to explain all that to her would have taken my entire day. <laughs> And who knows if I would have had the time to do it? And who knows, he said, humbly, he was like, who knows if I would have been able to do it as good a job? But the great thing is, she has a parish now, this priest that she knows, this community that she has. She got some help from some videos, and now she has a parish. She got some virtual help, now she has incarnational community. She got some online teaching, and now she has a place where she can go and get some in-person formation. And that's why one of the reasons why I really believe that um, evangelization in the new media, it doesn't stop with the new media. It might start with the new media. New media might be part of it, but it always, always, always comes back to relationships. It always comes back to who's there. It always comes back to What's the community do? I think of that sometimes because I get, I get letters probably every day from people who say things like, um, I was raised Muslim and then I saw some of these videos and now I want to become Catholic. I was raised atheist and I saw these videos and all these questions, what do I do now? That I was raised in a different denomination, I, I was taught all these crazy things about Catholics and now I want to learn more, where do I go? And I, I have to point them to, just to say, what's the closest Catholic parish in your neighborhood? The question is, when that person shows up, what's going to happen? Are they going to find someone who's willing to tell the story? Are they going to find someone who's willing to live the story? Are they going to find someone who's willing to share the story with them? When they walk through that door, are they going to meet a community 
who sees their need and says, come on in. Because here we can fill that need. That's what I'm hoping for. Thank you again for uh, your time making the sacrifice to come tonight. Thank you, Bishop Senior, for being so welcoming and, and hospitable, Father Daly, and all the staff here at St. Charles Borromeo. And you guys, thank you all for being the kind of Catholics who are willing to tell your story and are willing to uh, be the kind of people who, when they walk through the door, you're ready. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. May Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.